you, you want to see something really scary? What's the boogeyman? As a matter of fact, it was. I am the devil, and I am here to do the devil's work. Welcome to the Grave Plot Podcast. Welcome, one and all, to episode 151 of the Grave Plot Podcast. I am Skeletoni. I am Taylor of Terror. And we are back with you guys, uh, you know, fired up and something. Woo! Yeah, there's that fire. <laughs> um, yeah, so this is our first episode post-Grave Plot Film Festival. Yeah. You're duh. We are now one week removed, mm-hmm. and um, just starting to recover. It's it's weird not having something. Yeah, <laughs> not having that hovering over our heads. Yeah, like I don't know what to do with myself. <laughs> what do I do with my hands? <laughs> yeah. Um, but I mean, like I've I've talked about this before. It's like I've had different projects. Not I mean, including. The film festival going on since like August, uh, and and now all of those are done and over with, and I I don't have anything like looming over me that like I need to get done or that I need to be like working on. Yeah. Well, they're Patreon videos. I can finally get to them now. <laughs> I don't have an excuse. Um, but yeah, all those things are just done and out of the way, and now it's just like I I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing <laughs> with my life. But uh, anyway, how's it going, Taylor? Oh, pretty good. Yeah. What's new with you? Uh, well, I'm just getting over this cold. Yeah. That hit me Saturday morning, the morning of the film fest. <laughs> yeah. Like I pulled up or I was unloading stuff from my car at the theater and Max leaned into your... I couldn't hear your conversation, but he, he leaned into your car and then he backs out and he's like, he's patient zero. Stay away from him. <laughs> I'm like, God damn it. Yeah, I like Friday night, I kind of, you know, had a little tickle in my throat and stuff and I was like, yeah, that's that's nothing. That's, you know, probably just because it's late or whatever. Mm. Then I woke up Saturday morning and I was like, no, not today. <laughs> not today. Yeah, it's funny because that kind of stuff happens to me. <laughs> right. <laughs> It's weird that it happened to you. Uh, and like, I didn't even, like, I thought for sure that I would have caught it from you because that's just what happens, like catch colds because that's me. <laughs> and like, I nothing happened. So I'm in, I'm in the clear. Well, that's good. It's like, it's not a good time to get sick. Uh, not just because, you know, there's ever a good time to get sick, but because of like, coronavirus going around and yeah like nobody's really clear on what coronavirus is i'll tell you what it's not it has nothing to do with corona beer no 
I saw a headline the other day that was like, an alarming number of people believe the coronavirus is caused by Corona beer. What the fuck? And I'm like, God, this country is fucking stupid. Well, I mean, look at what's been going on in the last week. Yeah. (sighs) Yeah. I mean, so we have a criminal in the White House, a criminal who was just acquitted by other criminals. Yeah. Uh that criminal went on to give a speech saying that his criminal empire is doing really well. His criminal empire being the country. Yeah. Um, and it's not. Like, we're not doing well at all. No. Um, and, uh, yeah, and then, like, you know, people are just dying all over the world. Well, yeah. mainly in China and here. Yeah, but those are the big ones. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's like all this stuff happens all at once. Oh, and then the fucking Iowa caucus thing. That was... Oh, Jesus Christ. Like, how can you expect anybody to trust you now? <laughs> like, can can we just... Like, like can, can we just have democracy again? Like, I, I sure miss it. <laughs> I feel like, like, I felt so comfortable and safe three years ago. <laughs> Four years ago. Yeah. Uh, eight years ago. I, I felt good. <laughs> and now I don't. And um, it's very, it's a scary time. It's a scary time. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I was looking, just, I mean, this is somewhat unrelated. I was going through Facebook this morning and somebody I know posted one of those questionnaires that you fill out. It's got like, 20 to 50 questions or whatever. One of them was, what's your biggest fear? And I think she put like spiders or something like that. And I'm just like, what would I put? I don't know. Societal collapse, I guess. (laughs) Because I think like, like I don't have this like really like devastating fear of things, trivial things like spiders or the dark or, you know, uh, drowning or anything like that. Like my... (laughs) My biggest fears are like existential dread. <laughs> um, which I don't know. Does that make me more f- philosophical or smarter than some? I don't think so. No. Just I'm looking at the bigger picture, I guess. I guess, yeah. <laughs> um, anyway. But yeah. So the Grave Flat Film Festival. Were, uh, <laughs> fest. Not festival. It's not the festival. It is a festival, but we don't call it that. No, we just call it the fest. Because we're edgy. Is that why? It's like in the 90s where everything had X after it. (laughs) It's extreme. Speaking of which, the XFL is fucking back. (laughs) Yeah, that's a thing. Um, But uh, yeah, went really well. Um, We outsold last year, which was cool. We didn't... (laughs) We had a lot of bouncing back and forth. Like, we didn't really know what theater we were going to be in until, like, what, two days beforehand? Yeah. Um, like, we we were operating under the assumption that we were going to be in the big 200-seat theater. Um, and then you would just, through sheer coincidence, I think, found out that we weren't. We were in the same theater as last year. So we're like, oh, okay, well, let's change gears. Yeah, I just I went to their website because they had told me they were going to advertise on the website, 
and I just happened to notice they had a screening in the big theater smack dab in the middle of when we would have been in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so it's like, okay, well, I guess that's fine. We haven't outsold that theater yet. So, you know, as opposed to having 100 plus tickets available, now we have what? Plus like, tickets available. Yeah, like 15 <laughs> tickets available or something like that. Um, so we kept selling. But then they told us where they were going to move us to the bigger theater again. Well, first it was, if you guys out, over, uh, sell out the small theater, then we'll move you to the big theater. Right. So we're like, okay, so we have, like, there's now there's not this huge pressure to sell out, but there's also, you know, we have more tickets if we end up needing them. Right. And yeah, then like two days before, they were just like, okay, you're in the big theater. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> oh, well, shit. <laughs> um. But, uh, yeah, so obviously we didn't sell out the entire theater. That would have been nice, but I, I wasn't expecting that we would. No, me neither. But, um, there was, like, a good chunk of time where we were sitting at 109 tickets, which is the, the smaller theater holds 108. And I was right. like, this would be just our fucking luck. I know. <laughs> where it's like, yep, we sold just enough to get that big theater. goal of being in the bigger theater, for us at least, was that we'd have tickets to sell at the door because we didn't last year. Right. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, we did, we ended up selling, I think it was like, um, it was 112 advanced tickets. And then I think it factored out to be another like 20 or so at the door. Something like that, 15 to 20. Um, so we did all right. Yeah. Um, I mean, better than I would have expected. That house was pretty full, not packed, but, you know, it was like people were spaced out, so it looked a lot fuller. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, uh, Dave, the guy that runs a theater, or is it Dave or David? David. David. I'm going to call him Dave, because <laughs> so, we're buddies. Um, he kept asking us, like, if we got a final head count. And, like, I don't know. He seemed really curious, which is fine, but, it's like, I, I don't know, man. Yeah. <laughs> um, But, uh yeah, I mean, we, we got had, lots of positive feedback. Mm-hmm. Uh, screen 17 short films. Um, let's see. We had five total awards. Um, we had best director and best uh, or most original concept went to a film called Novigrad. No, uh, best film and most original. Best what? director went to Hidden Reflection. That's right. Okay. Um, yeah, so, okay, so Novigrad. Which both of those are from Italy. Right. Um, then we had uh, the audience favorite, which is a, a movie called uh, Overkill, which was from uh, California, I think probably the LA area. I'm not really sure. But it was nice because the director of that, Alex uh, Mon- Montilla. Or Mon- Montilla. Montilla. <laughs> He's probably not listening to this. So, um, But he actually came up from LA for the festival um, and uh, he won audience favorite. So that was a nice little bit of serendipity. Yeah. He left us a nice little review on film freeway too. Did he? Yeah. What a sweetheart. What a minch. What a guy. <laughs> um, and uh, let's see. Oh, and the, the minus award, which is uh, the jury selections favorite uh, was a movie called Stalag three. C. Was it C? Stalag 3C. 
Okay. I'm I'm thinking of like the the stylized Yeah, it was I I I dash C. Oh, okay. I guess I'm I I can't even see the C in my C? In, in, in my in my mind eye. <laughs> my thoughts. <laughs> anyway. Uh, and that was it was filmed in Belarus. <laughs> um I think the director was from New York. And there was like one American actor in there and the rest of them were all Slavic. Yeah. But it took place in Germany. Yeah. Presumably. But they had a tank. They did have a tank. You know, good for them. Yeah. It's like we were ta- we've we've talked about that amongst ourselves and we talked about it at, at the show. It's just like it's like where did they get a fucking tank? It's like, did they base their f- making their film solely on that? It's just like, hey, we got a tank. Let's make a movie. <laughs> Um, but no, it was, it was a lot of fun. Um, we, we had one person on Twitter ask us why we seemed like we were checked out and like, we didn't want to be there. Just like, sorry. <laughs> I mean, partially I think because I was sick, I was not, you know, super into it, but also that's just kind of our demeanor. Yeah. And like, I was telling my mom that who, who was there and she's like, I don't, that's not really your guys's style i mean like i think if if they don't listen to the show and they don't know your guys's kind of banter i'm like yeah that's exactly it we we're not we're not like excited people we well yeah it's, you know it's like you know when i do whack yeah i go out there and my job is to get people up on their feet and get them really excited that's not my job at the film fest I, yeah it's not gonna make a difference if people are going Woo-hoo, short films yeah like, yeah yeah, it's like I mean, what were we supposed to be doing? Like, we just throw throw a beach ball into the crowd. Be like, here, play with this. Do the wave, everybody! Come on, <laughs> start over here. Now you go. Um, get one of those giant uh, parachutes. Right? <laughs> now you go under. <laughs> but no, I, the people you know, the it's really nice because people will come up to us after the show and say, you know, we had directors especially come up to us that was a lot of fun thank you for for putting this on um and you know it's it's like we're not the only game in town like there are actually other two other three other major horror film festivals in in the area three uh there's bone bat well that's not strictly horror i guess it's horror comedy specifically yeah so i mean but there's bone bat there's the crypticon um film festival and uh um bleeding ham Oh, right. Uh, and then apparently The Stranger is starting their own this year. Oh, really? Yeah, it's called Slash, I think. Oh, that's right. Yeah, you told me about that. Just dilute the market more. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think just based on where we placed ourselves in the year, we, I think, are kind of, we kind of kick off the season. Yeah. Because Bone Bat's going to be in April. Uh, Crypticon is in May. May, and then Bleeding Ham is in. Isn't it in October? I think it's in October. Um, but uh, yeah. So anyway, uh, had a good time, and we're we're really looking forward to next year. Yeah, man. <laughs> I don't know. I'm I'm still in the like hangover mode, where I'm just don't even want to think about starting next year. Oh, I know. Yeah, it's it, it like. It makes it very small when you think like, oh, we have to start accepting submissions in five months. Right. It's like, no, 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 no. It's like, 
later this year. Late this year. That's when we take <laughs> submissions. I'm not going to put a number on it. Um, anyway. So there's that. Yep. Yeah, good times. Um, and yeah, so thanks to everybody that came. If anybody out there is listening, um, and you know, those of you there in spirit, were yeah, thanks to you as well. Um, also, want to thank some other people. Your segue game's tight, right? What <laughs> fire! <laughs> uh, over on Patreon, our grave diggers help support this show and keep us running, keep the lights on, so to speak. Um, it's not an expensive show to run, but we do have bills. We got to pay for our hosting fees and our website and that type of shit. Uh, and these people really, uh, you know, help us with that. Uh, it's Kevin Nesgoda, Jordan Morrison, Kevin Trent, Carlos Rodella, The Horror Addicts, Max Zaleski, and Aaron Meyer. So thank you so much, guys, for your uh, support. It really does go a long way to helping us uh, keep the show running. Uh, Taylor. If anybody else wants to become one of these special people, where can they go? They can go to patreon.com slash graveplotpodcast. For as little as $1, you can get exclusive perks. Uh, Tony talked real briefly about the Patreon videos. We're going to work to get caught up on those. But we let the Gravediggers pick a movie every month. We do a short little video review exclusively for them. They enjoy it, or they don't. I don't care. Uh, if you give uh, up to $100 in one month, I will get a tattoo of a fat unicorn on my ass. So many months now, and nobody's taken him up on the offer. She's like, isn't it worth it? Isn't it worth to just donate $100 once just so he gets a tattoo, a dumb tattoo <laughs> on his ass? Yeah. I think it's worth it, but it would be counterproductive. It'd be, if, if, if I were to donate the $100, it'd be counterproductive. Yeah. Because then I would be out the $100, but I'd probably end up spending the $100 on something anyway. It's, re- it's redundant. Right. Cannibalizing my own finances. <laughs> uh, okay. So, um, you want to just go ahead and uh, get started with the show? Unless yeah, you got yeah, something yeah, else to talk yeah, about? Yeah, yeah, you know, it's tradition, else. so, you know. <laughs> All right. Let's get started with some horror business. All right, starting out in real-world horror, um, anybody that's familiar with uh, maybe like seeking out a career in forensic uh, work, um, you know that there are things called body farms. I think there's like two or three of them in the country um, where people will donate their bodies to science, essentially, and they will take these bodies and put them in these body farms, but recreate various different situations where uh, a body may be found. Um, you know, you know, if it's buried in a shallow grave, if it's buried somewhere wet, if it's buried somewhere hot, um, you know, if it's been dismembered and put in a barrel or something like that, they have to recreate these scenarios so that, you know, forensic people can then go out to crime scenes and say, okay, based on what I know, this body's been here for this long, you know, this, you know, these kind of things were done to it. Um, and, uh, they're, they're like infinitely helpful to, to forensic students. Um, well, (laughs) 
over in uh, over at Costa Mesa, or sorry, Colorado Mesa University, um, confirmed that two separate instant, inc- uh, incidents of homeless felines were eating the soft tissues of human cadavers on the body farm in Whitewater, Colorado. Um, Man eating cats. It's terrifying. Because, you know, once they get the taste for blood. Oh, yeah. Man blood. (laughs) Man meat. (laughs) (laughs) Now they're coming for you next. (laughs) Stay out of Whitewater, Colorado. Um, The team reported that two donor bodies, one male, one female, had been laid out in the facility's grounds shortly after their deaths. And in less than a week... Feral cats began munching on the corpses. You think they'd plan for something like that? You'd think, right? Like I would, I would think that there would be like fences around and stuff. Yeah, I mean, like I know cats can jump, but like they probably can't jump ten feet in the air. So I put a ten foot fence around the facility. Yeah, seems like it'd be more secure. Um, scavenging began when the bodies showed early signs of decomposition and ended at the onset of moist decomposition. <laughs> moist. 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 Uh, maybe I'll put a... a you ever listen to Moist to Men? <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. Da-da-da-da. Oh, this happened in November. Damn, I thought this just happened. Okay. Um... Yeah, scavenging began when bodies showed early dis- signs of decomposition and ended at the onset of moist decomposition. The team posted last November in the Journal of Forensic Science. This led them to speculate that the cats preferred dining on fresher bodies. See, it's starting. Yeah. Uh, so, like, I guess the cats have now become part of the research. I guess. It's like, yeah. this is what a body looks like after it's been fed upon by feral cats. <laughs> Um, <clears throat> true wildcats, mostly bobcats, have exhibited similar scavenging behavior at the body farms, but this is apparently the first reported case of a domestic cat raiding these facilities for a snack. So it's just like, like your cats will eat you. That's what this boils down to. You know, when there's like a like a, a wild cat, you know, uh, this happened just recently, uh, in I think it was ca- uh, California somewhere. There was a bobcat that attacked, no, didn't attack somebody, was feeding on a, on a woman that had uh, died on a hike. Like she fell. And so there was blood. And, and so this bobcat came along and started feeding on her body. And park rangers had to put the cat down because it had gotten the taste for human, for human flesh. <laughs> and so it's like that makes it a, 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 uh, Liability. Liability, thank you. Um, to to other hikers. So it's just like now I mean I mean they're feral cats, but you know, people pick up stray cats all the time. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Somebody's gonna find them and just put them in a box and then go stand outside Safeway and be like free kittens. Free kittens, yeah. <laughs> and then those free kittens will fucking well, eat your they eyeballs will eat while your you're face sleeping. off. Yeah. It's a terrifying time we're living in. <laughs> got fucking coronavirus. We've got failed impeachments. We've got fucking feral cats. Man eating, eating your face. felines. It's a scary time. 
Dogs and cats living together. Mass hysteria. So, what what you think about uh, feral cats? That's uh, that's why I'm a dog man. Yep. Just keep one eye open, all you cat owners. That's all I'm saying. You never know. Like I think this was a couple of years ago. Um, my wife, you know, she, my wife coddles our dog like like he's our own child, um, and. A couple, you know, a couple, three, four years ago, she was reading this article where it was simply titled, Will Your Dog Eat You If You Died? And the very simple answer in the article was, yes. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, no, Dexter wouldn't eat me. It's like, uh, he absolutely would. If you're dead? Yeah. So, I mean, dogs too, just animals, you gotta, you gotta watch yourself. What do I care? I'm dead. Throw my body in the trash. <laughs> Fill me with cream. I don't care. I'm dead. All right, so here's a story that struck during the dead zone of our last episode. Naturally. Yeah, as they as they do. Uh, and it's a big one, so we, we had to talk about it. That's what she said. Uh, Universal and Blumhouse. She said that, Taylor. She. <laughs> Universal and our old friends at Blumhouse no. have decided they are going to remake The Thing. <sighs> now, it, it, it's not as bad as it seems. It's not. Bear with me here. Okay, let's let's go back to the beginning. So in 2018, a novel-length version of John Campbell Jr.'s book uh, was discovered, and a Kickstarter was launched to release the entire novel. The, the, the book in question is the Who Goes There, the book that inspired the thing. Right. Uh, so the, the novel was released titled Frozen Hell. And so what Universal and Blumhouse are actually doing is they're making an adaptation of frozen hell so it's the book that inspired the thing but it's a longer length novel than just the, the short story that inspired the thing so it's not necessarily a remake of john carpenter's the thing it's more of a new adaptation with some new source material right <clears throat> and it's not even necessarily going to be it, so I mean, it's not going to be a remake of John Carpenter's The Thing. It's not going to be a, a sequel or prequel like the one from was it two thousand eleven? Was it that old? I think so. Fuck yeah. me. Um, yeah, this. You know, I'd love to think. Yeah, this is no. It couldn't have been because we did it on the show when it first came out, and we started in two thousand thirteen. <laughs> okay, I, for some reason, two thousand sixteen sticks in my head. That could be. Um. D- Oh, nope, 2011. Sure? Are you sure we did it when it first came out? Maybe we didn't. I know we did it, but... Anyway, um, yeah, I'd love to think that this wouldn't be just a, a shitty remake of Carpenter's movie, but knowing Blumhouse and Universal and the fact that they're not really capable of creating something original, I really think that even though they have this basically new source of... Uh, of um, uh, material, they're probably just going to go back to the well and be like, well, you know, 
We could borrow from that movie. Well, yeah, I mean, you've got one of the producers, Alan Dons, you know, who went on Facebook and said, uh, I am executive producing a remake of The Thing, but with additional chapters of John Campbell's groundbreaking novel, Frozen Hell, that had been lost for decades. So he's even calling it a remake of mm-hmm. The Thing, and he's a producer. Like, right. And they're going to call it The Thing. Probably, yeah, because that'll sell. Oh, wait, okay, I guess it doesn't say explicitly that that's what they're doing. I thought I read that, but... Oh. I mean, yeah, that's that's, that's very likely. Uh, Don's also said the new film will include the very best of RKO's The Thing from Another World. RKO. From out of nowhere? <laughs> RKO, I... I forget what it means but it was it's an old movie studio oh oh that's right the thing from another world yeah okay john carpenter's classic the thing and both books frozen hell and who goes there yeah so so um, but mainly john carpenter's the thing right uh sci-fi writer john bettencourt who is the guy that launched the kickstarter campaign to fund the novel uh, he s- shared a post on the Kickstarter saying the movie will be from Universal and Blumhouse. Everyone is super excited about it and it's being fast tracked. This is just the tip of the iceberg on what's going on with who goes there, Frozen Hill, and the thing in Hollywood. I can't talk about the rest yet, but it's very exciting. And if all goes as planned, the thing will be alive and well for quite a while. If all goes to plan, I'll be very rich, <laughs> is what he really meant. I want to know what that's about. All this talk about this is just the tip of the iceberg. And, uh, you know, if all goes as planned, it'll be alive and well for quite a while. Like, are they planning a TV show or something? Like, uh, probably sequels, I would think. Yeah. Yeah. Because instead of, you know, making a new movie, you, you make sequels. That's just what you do. Well, yeah. And just then when you run out of sequels, pushing that button. When you run out of sequels, then you reboot the franchise. Yep. Exactly. Uh, I just saw they're re- they're gonna reboot something that's not even that old. Oh, Pirates of the Caribbean! Like I don't I really, don't even, yeah. I don't I don't know. I haven't read into it, so don't, I don't I don't know the legitimacy of it or or anything. But I saw that they're gonna reboot Pirates and they're gonna cast Zach or they're going to cast or talking to Zach Efron to play Jack Sparrow. Um. Yeah, I, I like I said, I don't know the legitimacy of that at all, so don't don't quote me on it. But that's what I saw, and those movies are like like fifteen years old, maybe. Yeah, the the most recent one was was like what less than five years old, I think. I think, yeah. <sighs> Hollywood. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. So who's ready for a PG-13 version of The Thing? No, no, I don't want that at all. (laughs) Ah, yeah. I saw on Twitter, somebody posted about this, and they were like, who would you like to see direct it? And I I think you posted, and you were like, no one. I don't see anyone. Exactly. Then I responded, I was like, John Carpenter. (laughs) It's like, oh, wait, he already did. (laughs) Oh, okay, this is unnecessary then. (laughs) Let's not do any of this. Oh, man. Speaking of Disney, I don't know if this is something you may have... Well, I was talking about pirates. I know, but... Um, I saw that like there was this PT, uh, PTA. Um, I think it was like somewhere in California. 
Um, PTA was doing a fundraising event. They, um, I don't know, it was probably like some dinner thing that they were just bringing in all the people, and they did a screening of um, The Lion King. The Lion, oh, because you did see this? Yeah. Yeah, and Disney sent them a fine of $250, or sorry, not Disney exactly, but the company that handles Disney's licenses sent them a fine of $250 for uh, for an, um, well, not illegal, but what was the wording they used? Unauthorized screening of The Lion King. Like So these this PTA made something like $800 at this fundraising event, and now they have to shell out $250 of that to pay Disney because they showed one of their movies at a fundraising event. I saw Disney apologize. I don't know if that means they redacted the fee or whatever, but... Oh, they, I fucking doubt it. <laughs> but Disney apologized. In which, if, like, if Disney isn't covering the fee or whatever then your apology is bullshit and is more insulting than saying nothing. Yeah. It's like, sorry, business is business. <laughs> business is business, baby. Anyway. Fuck Blumhouse. So the federal, no, federal, Friday the Thirteenth uh, saga <laughs> over, over the rights to the film film franchise. Um, <coughs> it seems like it's been going on forever at this point. Oh yeah. Um, I mean, with no real end in sight. No, like it was basically Victor Miller and Sean Cunningham are at this just impasse where neither of them will come to the table and make a deal. Um, yeah, it, it's just, it's, it's fucking childish. Um, and you know, like I think Sean Cunningham is as big of a scumbag as anyone, but the fact that he holds most of the cards, I really think that Victor Miller needs to just, you know, say, okay, well I'll sell them to you for this amount of money. Sean Cunningham says, okay, write, write him a check and just fucking be done with it. Yeah. But that's probably never going to happen. But it's not stopping people from, you know, speculating and, you know, saying, you know, expressing interest in wanting to uh, restart the franchise. Uh, we talked about LeBron James wanting to do something, which, like, when that was a thing, like, they're making it sound like, oh, this is happening. Yeah, LeBron James. He's gonna make Friday Thirteenth. So he's probably not gonna. That lasted like two days. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the latest in uh, and he wore a, like a cheap ass dollar store mask to an NBA game. Yeah, fake ass Friday the Thirteenth fan. Um. But uh, anyway, so the latest person to spring forward out of the pack uh, was the director, uh, writer, and director of Black Coat's Daughter, and I am the pretty thing that lives in the house. And the new movie, Gretel and Hansel, Osgood Perkins, saying he wants to remake Friday the 13th. I tell you, I haven't seen Gretel and Hansel, but I have seen I Am the Pretty Thing That Lives in the House, and about 10 minutes of Black Coat's Daughter, I can tell you right now I don't want him to make Friday the 13th. It seems so out of his wheelhouse. It really does. If he wants to surprise me and, you know, make a faithful 
um, remake or sequel to Friday the 13th, then, you know, more power to him. But if he's going to put his dumb, fucking confusing, artistic spin on it, then fucking hit the bricks. Yeah. Um, But he was talking with the Boo Crew podcast, um, and uh, he's saying, uh, there was a time when I was kind of, I made the rounds. The only guy I wanted to be was, I would have... Finish a sentence, man. Jesus Christ. Uh, I would have happily been the guy to do Friday the 13th again. The rights to that were kind of a real mess. It's a hard one. That's what she said. <laughs> she said that. Uh, and there's a weird thing, like you can have the rights to the title, but you can't have the rights to the mask. The mask and the title are held by different people. I think LeBron James <laughs> is actually involved. I think it's kind of like you can't have one without the other. He, he has no idea what's going on. <laughs> yes. You know, we've talked about this before. It's like, fuck the Friday the 13th name. You don't need it. Obviously. Like, the past couple few movies have shown that. Yeah. It's like... You call it Jason Returns or whatever. Yeah. And you don't need to say... Because he, he... Victor Miller, he owns the name Friday the 13th. He owns the name uh, Voorhees. You know, Jason Voorhees. Jason and Pamela Voorhees. He owns those names. It's fine. Call the movie Jason Returns, whatever. Um, uh, and, you know, just call him Jason. You don't have to call him Jason Voorhees. People know who he is. Yeah, it's not like if you make a movie and you're like, hey, like if I was like, hey, Tony, you hear they're making uh, this movie. It's called Jason Returns. And be like, Jason, what, Momoa? Like, I don't yeah. know, who are you talking about? <laughs> like, no, you're going to fucking know who Jason is. Yeah, if you see a fucking guy in a hockey mask coming at you with a machete you know that's jason Voorhees, even if they don't say it <laughs> but for legal reasons it's not right um oh no it's jason um let's see where i leave off uh i would do that i'd be thrilled to do that that's probably the one for me <laughs> okay i didn't want to do halloween for instance <laughs> I felt like that had been done. Jason is my guy. Also, it's the 13th one. Just call it 13 or something. That's dumb. I already uh, don't want him anywhere near this. I know. Like, I don't believe that you are a Jason guy. <laughs> I think you're about as much of a Jason guy as LeBron James is. Uh, I mean, sure, you could call it like Jason 13. Sure. Just call it 13? No. No, we're not doing that. It's like... When New Line, you know, they didn't have the rights to the Friday the 13th name because I think Paramount still owned it or something like that. So, uh, you know, they made Jason Goes to Hell and call it the Final Friday. It's like they got around both of those things. Yeah. They didn't say Jason Voorhees. Well, they, they did in the movie, but they didn't use Friday the 13th. They didn't say Jason Voorhees. Just do that again. Yeah. Same thing with Jason X. Like they didn't use the word, they didn't use the name Friday the 13th Anywhere. Yep. Freddy versus Jason. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, the screenplay that I read was written by the guy who wrote Prisoners, and it was good. It was, just, it was a sort of remake of the original, and that's what I want to do. Kind of remake the original with the mom. Nope. And, no, Can't do that. Lost me. You lost me completely. Um, with the mom and the camp and all the stuff and put it in the period. Yeah, maybe. They, you know, journalists, they always transcribe what people say. They never 
paraphrase it. Yeah. It's like, I realize you want to maintain integrity so you can, you know, convey exactly what the person's saying, but sometimes it's really tedious to read that. Yeah. <laughs> Just put what he meant to say and call it good. Um, yeah, I'm totally opposed to this. Yep. Um, I feel like I haven't seen Gretel and Hansel. It seems like it's a lot more mainstream than Black Coat's Daughter in uh, Pretty Thing for the sake of saving time. Um, um, but yeah, like for, from what I've seen of, of his work and reading this here, like, I no, just don't. Do us all a favor and don't. Yeah, like this is like if, um, I don't know, like Ty West, like someone who's known for these like slow burn horror movies was like, you know, yeah, I would love to remake Nightmare on Elm Street, you know, because it's, it's Freddy and there's, he's, and there's the hat and then, you know, he's got the glove. <laughs> and you're just like, what? <laughs> you've, you've, you've seen the movie, yes. <laughs> Yeah, you know, like he, he's burnt and then, uh, you know, and so, yeah, I'd like to do that. Yeah, he's a maybe. Dream. His dreams, he's a dream guy. Yeah, you know, he like he has the dreams and then he's burnt and and the glove. So I I think I think I would do that. Yeah. I feel like you're just could... like, I don't, I don't, can we stop, can we, can we stop him? Like... <laughs> no. <laughs> you know, like, uh, I think it was just recently, um, uh, what's his fucking name? Frodo, Elijah Wood. Elijah Wood. Um, I think he he was just talking again semi recently about ma- remaking Nightmare. Yeah, and I didn't love what he was saying. I didn't read all of it. Was he saying something? He was offensive. Basi- <laughs> he was basically saying he wanted to like springboard it in a new direction where it was like, because he wanted to have Robert England as Freddy, mm. but like only as a way to piggyback from the old series to something different. I'm like, like what? Wait, so he wanted to make it not about Freddy Krueger? Yes. Ooh, right. Swing and a miss. Yeah. Why would Why would you do that? That's like going back to the well with Pamela, uh, Pamela Voorhees. Yeah. Like we've talked about this before. You can't remake the original Friday the Thirteenth because that cork is out of the bottle. <laughs> right. Everybody knows the the big ending. Yeah. Uh. And it's like you can't make the movie and make people think, oh, maybe it's not Pamela. <laughs> Just kidding, it is. It's like it is. It really is Pamela. And also, you know, going back to the rights thing, that's the the other side of the coin. The, all, all Pamela Voorhees and everything, that's that's Victor Miller stuff. Mm-hmm. That's stuff you're, you can't touch. Yeah. Um, yeah, like, if you wanted to continue the franchise, I think that Sean Cunningham... Is is like I said, holding all the cards. Well, almost all the cards. If you wanted to, the, the relevant cards. Yeah. If you wanted to reboot the franchise and go in a completely new and unfamiliar direction, then yeah, I think Joe, Victor Miller could probably do that on his own. Yeah. Um, but I really don't think you'd get as much out of it as you think you will. No, of course not. Because people know the machete and the hockey mask. Yeah. No one has tattoos of Pamela Voorhees. Like, no. Well, except for maybe Jason Mortensen. <laughs> he would. Um, Remember 
at Crypticon when he was talking about like how bad he had it for uh, Betsy Palmer. And then he yeah. like halfway through the conversation started to like show us pictures of her younger and be like, no, see, and we're like, but that's not what you said, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good He's, stuff. He likes old ladies. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. So, I mean, as time goes on and we see how fucking, uh, like everybody wants a piece of both, you know, Jason and Freddy, you know, both those franchises. Everybody seems to want a little taste of it. It's like, oh, I can be the one to to make that new. I can make it fresh. It's like you probably can't, <laughs> or you or shouldn't. Yeah, and that's what it really boils down to. Is like as mo as, as that goes on more and more, like it's just like you know what, just don't. Yeah. Like yeah, people are being like, well, "What if Freddie was a woman?" It's like, what? But 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 he's not. Like, yeah. It's like, what if he was? Who gives a fuck? <laughs> if he's not Freddie, yeah. Like he was, you know, what six movies where he was not. So yeah. I don't know why this is a conversation. Yeah. It's like who? If you remade Nightmare on Elm Street and made Freddie a woman, it would not be Nightmare on Elm Street because he's no longer Freddy Krueger. And you know why people go to see Nightmare on Elm Street movies? For Freddy Krueger. Right. (sighs) It's just trying to change things just for the sake of change. And it's, I I don't understand the point. That's that's what all this has come down to. Yeah. All these gender swaps and stuff and, you know, remakes or, I mean, I'm not going to get into it. I could talk for an hour about this, but it's just, it's really about, um, just doing it for the sake of doing it and trying to get people in the in the door just based on you know not a title and a well-known property yeah well i mean it's like it's like oh well they made uh you know um they remade big with with black women it's like oh we got to go see that because maybe it's interesting I mean, it's probably not, but because you can tell by the trailer that it's not. Yeah. But people will go see it because it's big with black women. But also, it's it's small. And yeah, it's, it's all it, flipped. <laughs> they flipped it on you. <laughs> anyway, they called it little. How fucking uninspired <laughs> is that? Give me a fucking break. <laughs> So anybody who has seen Pee-wee's Big Adventure knows there are definitely parts of it that skew fairly dark. Oh, it's Tim Burton. True. You know that you got the part with the clowns, for instance. That's probably the darkest part of the whole movie. It's fucked up. It is fucked up. Then you got Elvira trying to cut his balls off or whatever she's trying to do. She did do that in Large Marge. Large Marge was terrifying. But turns out Paul Rubens who played the, the titular Pee-wee, he wants to make a dark and gritty Pee-wee movie. The other day we were watching Cheers and this guy came on and I was like, I know who that is. Who the hell is that? Why do I recognize that guy? And I finally realized it was Jombie. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I don't think I would have been able to pick him <laughs> out of a lineup unless he was dressed as John B. <laughs> Uh, the Hollywood Reporter reports that Rubens has been aggressively shopping a script around. <laughs> Make this! <laughs> Comes in with a gun. <laughs> all right, Paul, all right. Just calm down. Um, uh, shopping a script around that takes the character into dark and unexpected territory, like being sent to a mental hospital for shock treatment. For his severe pill and alcohol addiction. What? Who wants to see that? <laughs> that sounds so depressing. Right? I grew up watching Pee Wee's Playhouse. Uh, and I can only assume you did too. Yeah. Uh, uh, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, it's a script that Rubens completed in the late 90s. And he says, dead serious. I've referred to it as the Valley of the Dolls Pee-wee movie. It's about fame. Jesus Christ. Like, I'm all for, like, a dark Pee-wee movie, but it's, it's still got to be comedy. It's still got to be a dark comedy. Yeah. And th- this just sounds depressing. Uh, it centers on Pee-wee emerging from prison to become an unlikely yodeling star. Moving to Hollywood, becoming a movie star, and developing a severe pill and alcohol addiction that turns him into a monster. What the fuck? <laughs> I mean, so there's definitely got to be some comedy in there, right? Like, he's a yodeling star. That's funny. Pee Wee Herman, the character, in and of himself, is comedy. <laughs> yeah. You can't make Pee Wee Herman not funny. Did you ever see the new Pee Wee movie? Yeah. Is it? It's not very good. Yeah, it didn't look very good. They like uh it's just like, hey, look at all these celebrities we brought in. <laughs> and it's just yeah. It really really fell flat. It was kind of sad. Like I'd rather watch Big Top Pee Wee, which also wasn't very good. Yeah. Uh Ruben says, I do feel like it's going to probably happen. I have a couple people that oh, are yeah? <laughs> He said, I have a couple people that are interested, but this is Hollywood. A couple of people interested in five bucks will get you five bucks. I mean, yeah. Yeah. He's not wrong. <laughs> I mean, you could have everyone in the world interested. If no one's going to give you any money, then. Right. I'd love to know who these people are that are interested. Yeah. Are they like studio types or just like his friends who are yeah. like, yeah, that sounds great, Paul. <laughs> you should totally do that. I mean, you know, when he got uh, popped for jacking off in that porn theater, and I mean, this isn't necessarily Pee Wee Her- Herman, this is just Paul Rubens as a guy. He got popped for jacking off in a porn theater, which is like, I, th- I thought you could just do that. I thought that was like why you did, like, why you went there. Yeah, like, who's just going to go sit in a theater and watch porn and not f- <laughs> like fucking jack off? Yeah. It's just pound just, off. It was just agreed. Um, anyway, do you think when you go to a porn theater, like you walk in, you're just like, why is the floor stick? Oh, oh. <laughs> um, but you know, it's like we were too young when that happened to really understand what happened. Yeah. But as you get older and you start to understand those things, it's just like, oh, that's so sad. <laughs> but I mean, he, he, he powered through it. Like he came back at the MTV or it was the, the VMAs, I think. He came out and he was like, I heard any good jokes lately? <laughs> because he got checked, like, caught pounding off. Yeah. He's pounding, pounding away. <laughs> He's pounding away in the nighttime. 
Uh, anyway, um, I don't think what he's pitching, I have no interest in. Yeah. I don't want to see that. I want to see, if you want to put Pee Wee Herman in like a dark comedy, um, I could probably go for that. Maybe. Think of, think of the cable guy, but instead of Matthew Broderick, it's Pee Wee Herman. Instead of Matthew Broderick? Yeah. Like, it's it's Jim Carrey tormenting Pee Wee Herman. Oh. I mean, I guess you'd have two weird people, <laughs> like, playing off each other. Yeah. You think that'd be too much? I, I don't think it would work. I think because Matthew Broderick was, like, the straight guy. Yeah. All right. Well, what about then with Pee Wee Herman instead of Jim Carrey? Sure. Yeah, I could see that. Like he's a weird neighbor or something. Yeah, like like a, like a Kramer. Yeah, I could see that. He just wants to hang out. Yeah, <laughs> no big deal. <laughs> or just picture like a like terrifying Pee Wee's Playhouse. It's like the word of the day is decapitation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that. <laughs> So a while back, we talked about something that seemed to be a, just a sure thing. CW was going to make a Lost Boys TV show, except it was going to be girls. No, the, it was going to be... I feel like there was a few ideas that bounced around before they actually had one that they like put to paper, and they were like, okay, we're ready to roll cameras on. If I remember what, what it was going to be, they replaced the Frog Brothers with... Women, yes. like they were girls now, yeah. frog sisters. Um, and I think the rest of the story was not super faithful to the movie. Well, there was a one point where it was going to be like anthological. Each season was going to be a different um, decade. That was that wasn't even this most recent idea. Though. No, no, no. Yeah, this is a while ago. Yeah, like I said, there have been a, a, a couple iterations of this. All right. Um. But that seemed to all kind of fizzle. You know, it seemed like they were really gearing up and things were, were progressing surprisingly because I thought for sure that was going to just tank. But, you know, it did. Yeah. Because it, it's like they didn't even make, make like a big announcement. It's like, okay, we're not proceeding with the Lost Boys TV show anymore. They just stopped talking about it. <laughs> um, but, you know, damn it if they're not going to keep trying because they own the property and, you know, we're going to do something with that. Oh yeah, it's like when you when you get like junk, and you like put it in a corner. And I'm like, I'm gonna do something that with, with that someday, and you just never do. Or like you keep like coming, and up your wife's just like, I'm gonna throw this away, and you're like, No, I'm gonna use it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, the CD, CW has given yet another, and then, you, and then you just like build like half-assed something one day just so you can show her. And she's like, See, I did, I did a thing. It's not done. <laughs> what? Don't look at it like that. It's not done. Like, I'm gonna finish it, but I just wanted to show you that I was. Going, that I was working on something. Yeah. Showed you, didn't I? Um, CW has given yet another green light to another pilot based on the uh, 80s vampire movie. 
Um, the Vampire Diaries and Batwoman director Marco Siega, or Siega, I don't know, uh, will helm the new pilot, which will cast from scratch. At least there's that. At least they've abandoned that idea that was sounding so bad. Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, executive producer Rob Thomas. Matchbox 20. Ugh. You know well, who that is? <laughs> Rob Thomas, Matchbox 20. Get Sing a, sh- a song. Get a shoe. And bash his testicle. <laughs> Sing a song. Shut up. Uh, let's see. Executive producer Rob Thomas will co-write the reworked version of the script with Heather Mitchell, who wrote last season's pilot. So it's the same writer. They're just tacking Rob Thomas on her. Wait, did they air a pilot? No, they but they like had one like all cast and ready to go, and then they just didn't okay. make it. <laughs> all right. Uh, in the new version, when a mother and her Gen Z... Oh, Jesus. Uh, Gen Z's sons moved to the seaside town where she grew up. Oh, at least okay. So that keeping in line there, I'm, I'm with them so far. Uh, they discover there's a sinister reason the local cool kids sleep all day, party all night, never grow up, and never get old. Family bonds are tested as the brothers find themselves on opposite sides of a mythological struggle. Like take out Gen Z, and that's the plot to the movie. So I mean, yeah, if they can. Without making it douchey, and I know that's hard because it is the CW, if they maintain that, then sure, I'll give it a shot. Yeah. Because that's the movie, and I love the movie. Who doesn't love the movie? Nobody with a brain in their head doesn't love that movie. Yeah. Um, You like Biscotti? yeah, I mean that's that's really all we know at this point. No word on whether or not the Frog Sisters will be a continuing theme. I hope not, because that, that's another thing. It's just like they just did it to do it to do it. Yeah. No, no real reason. Didn't serve a purpose. Yeah, it's just like, oh, we're gonna shake things up. <laughs> the fuck out of here. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's CW is um, hot and cold with a lot of people or, you know, just cold. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, uh, like, the, I mean, they put out shows that are dumb, like Vampire Diaries, but then they also put out shows that are enjoyable, like Supernatural. At least for me. And, you know, all the superhero shows, which I enjoy, except for Batwoman. What's, uh, what's that girl's name? Uh, Ruby, Ruby Rose. Ruby Rose, yeah. She's terrible. She's awful. <laughs> um, and, uh, but yeah, anyways, but yeah, CW, they can make a good show or they can make a bad show. It's really a crapshoot. But if they... Like Rob Thomas, I think he he's worked on a lot of CW shows. He's the Veronica Mars guy. Yeah, yeah, Veronica Mars, and I think he did iZombie, which you know it's funny thinking back to when that when they first announced that show, and we were talking about how stupid it sounded. Yeah. Then I actually watched it, and I'm like, oh, this isn't bad. 
I don't think I watched the last couple of seasons though, but anyway. Um, so who knows at this point if this will actually happen. But um, you know, if CW has anything to say about it, they're just gonna keep on trying. Yeah, they're gonna keep pushing through, it sounds like. Yeah, they like the way I do this. When I crank it like it's out. Yeah, they like the way I do this. When I crank it like a chain Full throttle, heavy metal, set the bar, next level Wasteland, getting all janky, so glow Alright, so I know we've talked before about uh, Fide Alvarez's upcoming Texas Chainsaw Massacre reboot Well, it looks like they are moving forward They have found a writer and two directors uh, It's going to be written by Chris Thomas Devlin Who is not a name I know Nope, me neither. Sweet. Uh, it's going to be directed by the directors of The Dig, Ryan and Andy Tohill. I'm also not familiar with The Dig. <laughs> me neither. Chris Thomas. Devlin. The Dig is... Uh, so it's a 2018 thriller. Um from Russia. Okay. Toe Hill doesn't really strike me as a Russian name. No. Oh, British Irish film. Sorry, it was first released in Russia. Ah. Strange. Uh, a father becomes obsessed with finding the body of his murdered daughter. Okay. Nice and generic. Yeah. Um, so Chris Thomas Devlin has one acting credit, one producing credit, one camera and electrical department credit, one art department credit, one thanks credit, and zero writing credits. Well, sorry, he has two in-development writing credits. Is this one of them? No. Oh. So there's that. I always wonder how these guys score these big movies with no credits to their name. I have no idea. I um, mean, is this really going to be a big movie, though? I mean, it's, it is legendary. Nah. Could be either. Could go either way, I guess. Yeah. The Dig has good uh, good scores on Rotten Tomatoes, so. Well, there you go. Both uh, critics and, uh, um, what do you call them? You know, people. <laughs> Normies. <laughs> uh, Bad Ombre, which is Fide Alvarez and Roto Sagaya's production company, is producing uh, through their overall deal with Legendary. Isn't he Portuguese? Uh, Alvarez? Yeah. I don't know. Pretty sure he is. Okay. Just, he doesn't speak Spanish. His, 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 his Spanish is not his native language. Oh. Ombre. Is Spanish. It sure is. <laughs> um, let's see who said this. Fidel Alvarez says, The Toehill's vision is exactly what the fans want. It's violent, exciting, and so depraved that it will stay with you forever. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> it's a bold statement. Uh, Legendary is reportedly hoping to kickstart a new franchise with this movie, potentially one that is in some way connected to the original. He's from Uruguay. I thought he was from Portugal. Uri- what would that be? Uri- Uri- 
Uruguayan? Uruguayan? Yeah. Okay. Um, yep. Which uh, I think they do speak Spanish in Uruguay, so... There we go. There you go. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. Like, Legendary wants to make a new franchise that's connected to the original. Is this going to be, like, fucking Halloween again, where you were retconning all the sequels and we're just... Does it, does it matter at this point? I mean... I can't keep this timeline straight. <laughs> Texas Chainsaw probably has the worst timeline. It's terrible. Like, I don't know what is considered canon anymore, if anything. Yeah. Like, is, is like is Texas Chainsaw 2 considered still part of the series? I, I don't know. Like, is Chop Top even actually part of the... Are we still considering him part of anything? Or I don't... I don't know. I don't know. What about Matthew McConaughey? That's... No. <laughs> <laughs> no? Don't like The Next Generation? No. Him and Renee Zellweger... Terrible, terrible movie. There's like a cult following for that movie, though. It, it would have to be. Yeah. <laughs> like a literal cult. Like they're, they're, give them the Kool-Aid. Like, let's just cut that off at the knees. <laughs> I don't know. Too many reboots and remakes and whatever the fucks. Like, somebody out there, write something new, please. <sighs> It's not going to happen. <laughs> There's too much money to be made in movies that people have seen a million times. It's true. All right. Well, that's it for horror business. Horror business is over. Yep. All right, guys. Um, oh, we didn't say this is our Valentine's Day episode. This is our Valentine's Day episode. <laughs> hey, everybody. Happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's. Um, and so we are going to talk about a couple movies that have to do with love. Kind of. In a way. Reviews. All right, so like I said, this is our Valentine's Day episode, and we are going to be talking about movies for sweethearts. My endless love. Yeah, that's that's it. You got you got it. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. So we're going to be talking about the was it 2014, 2015 movie Honeymoon and the nineteen ninety nine movie Audition. Taylor, which one would you like to start with? Let's start with Honeymoon. So, we didn't get a regular wedding cake. We decided on something that was special for us instead. I love you, honeybee. So this is the famous family cottage. Do you like it? Here's what I see. The woods. A lake. No one around. This isn't funny. B? Please! B! 
okay? I couldn't find you. I was basically walking. I'm fine. How's my little zombie face this morning? I made the coffee. Distant, different. Did something happen in the woods? What's this? They're mosquito bites. They don't look like bug bites. You're acting crazy. You should leave. He's not safe. What's going on? We need to leave. You can't. Where did you put the keys? Where are the keys? Who's out there? We shine in the light. I want to protect you. Where is my wife? You look like her, but you're not her. Something bad happened to me. Something bad happened to me in the woods. All right, so this is a 2014 movie, which means we can feel free to spoil it. Hey. Uh, there's there's your warning. Uh, this stars Rose Leslie, who you may recognize from Game of Thrones. I know she's from Game of Thrones. Yeah, that's kind of how I was, too. I think she's the one that said, you know nothing, Jon Snow, which is like, that's a good thing. It's like a, it's like a meme. Okay. I think she's, she's the one that said it. She said it. I think I think people like her. Okay, she, she's a, she's a good one. She's a she's she's yeah. she's a nice person. Yeah. <laughs> um, as well as uh, Harry Treadaway, who I didn't recognize from anything. Uh, I know him from Penny Dreadful. He played Victor, oh. Victor Frankenstein. Okay. Both. So she's Scottish. He's English. Both playing Americans. I there were definitely parts where I could tell his accent slipped. Mm-hmm. He was trying to cover it up with a Brooklyn accent. It wasn't working. <laughs> hey, forget about it. <laughs> um, so they play B and Patrick, who are on their honeymoon. The, hey, there, the, there the titular it is. honeymoon. <laughs> uh, they're off in a cabin uh, somewhere in the Canadian wilderness. It's. B's family's cabin from when she was young. She hasn't been back since she was a kid. But she used to always go here and spend her summers, I guess, there. Um, and, you know, she, she kind of, you can tell she kind of feels bad. She's like, you know, is it okay? Because it's not, you know, it's not Paris or Disneyland or some other extravagant honeymoon. But he's just like, hey, we're we're out of the city and I'm with you. And that's all that matters because, baby, I love you. <laughs> I love you. Always have. <laughs> always have. <laughs> Um, <coughs> so, you know, they're just spending time out on the water and, you know, doing what couples do, just fucking all over the woods. <laughs> she is so white. Yeah, she is. My God, like my skin hurt looking at her. <laughs> like I'm white. I'm pasty as fuck. She takes it to a new level. Yeah. Yeah, it was like, he takes off her shirt and you're like, ah! <laughs> it's like, sweetie, you got to stay out of the sun. Brightness, brightness, brightness. <laughs> um, 
But then one day they they go off and they find this little restaurant that's down the road, and it's it's called Restaurant. <laughs> it's one of those new age places. <laughs> Too hip to have a name. Yeah. Uh, you know, somebody blew off the sign. <laughs> uh, but they get there and it's it's closed. But they find this guy who's in the back just throwing things, it looks like. It's fucking roid rage. <laughs> uh, and it turns out it's this guy, Will, that B knew when she was a kid. And he calls her Trixie for some reason that's never explained. I assume her name is Beatrice. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. It does make sense. And he's just like, first he snaps. He's just like, we're closed. God damn it. We're closed. (laughs) And they're like, okay, we'll leave. And then he's like, oh, Trixie, it's you. And she's like, oh my God, we'll, you know, and they have this, like this moment and Patrick's like, (coughs) excuse me. I'm her husband. (laughs) And he's like, oh yeah, you know, I'm married to my, this is my wife, Annie. Her family owns this place. But she's not feeling well. And then Annie comes out and she's like, you need to leave now. And they're just like, all right. Uh, So then that night, Patrick wakes up in the middle of the night. He's going to go fishing. But there's this weird kind of power surge that makes his alarm go off early. And he doesn't notice at first. So he gets up and he... Yeah. When they get to the cabin, the lights keep flickering like, you know, turning on and off and like dimming and coming back on. The same thing happens when they go to go to a restaurant. <laughs> so it just seems like if there's some issue at the power grid in yeah. this town. <laughs> but so yeah, Patrick at first doesn't notice that it's too early. So he gets dressed and he gets all his fishing gear and gets his bait and everything. If the sun's not up, it's, it's, it's a pretty early. good indication. Yeah. Uh, For anything. But. Finally, he realizes he actually he drops the bait all over the um, porch, and that's what what causes him. Oh, because he pulls out his phone, I think, to turn on the flashlight or something. And so he finally notices. Oh, it's like three o'clock in the morning. What the fuck am I doing? <laughs> and he so he goes back to bed, but B is gone. Right. And he starts freaking out. He's checking every room, and he's you know screaming, "This isn't funny!" And goes out into the woods, and he finds her standing out in the woods, just completely naked. And he touches her and she screams. And so he rushes her back to the cabin. And she, you know, she's kind of calmed down. She's like, it's, I, I was just sleepwalking. Everything's okay now. Don't worry about it. And he's like, I've known you how long and you've never sleptwalked before. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in, as things go on, B starts acting really strange. Uh, uh, Paul notices she's got these little marks on the inside of her thighs. She says they're just mosquito bites, but they don't look like mosquito bites. Which is weird because to me, they looked like mosquito bites. They they did just look <laughs> like bug bites at first. Then yeah. they look like infected bug bites later. Yeah. <clears throat> um, and she she just starts acting like she just like, basically like a child almost. Like she's just doesn't remember how to do basic things. Uh, she, you know, she says, Oh, I'm making French toast, but she's all she's done is just thrown uh, bread on the stove. Yeah. And it's just burning. So she made coffee, but she didn't grind the beans. Yeah. It's just like a lot of things that you could dismiss as like ap- absent mindedness. Yeah. 
Um, but as time gets on, she gets weirder and weirder. Paul catches her in the mirror, like practicing telling him that she has a headache. Yeah. Just like, yeah. I mean, it's very clear what she's doing because I'm pretty sure every guy's heard it at least once. <laughs> she's like, she's coming up with excuses not to have sex with him. Yeah. So. And then that night they're playing Yahtzee and he's like, you know, I'd, I want you, I need you, I must have you. And she's like, oh, well, I, I have this headache and I took some Advil, but it just won't go away. And he's, he he gets a little aggro, but at the same time, it's he's also still very concerned and also just very curious. Mm. He's just like, why won't you fuck me? <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> <laughs> then he tells her, he says, hey, put on your nightgown. Because you know it's sexy and I want to see you in it, and she just like starts freaking out, and she's like, "It's it's in the clothes box, the the suitcase." Yeah, and it's like the fact that she did clothes box at first, and you're just like, "What's going on here?" You know, it didn't strike me as too weird because I do that kind of shit all the time. <laughs> I do it on the show regularly. <laughs> it's you know the the clothes box, like fucking. <laughs> you know what I'm fucking talking about? <laughs> the suitcase. Yes, God damn it. <laughs> but I got to fucking spell it out for you. <coughs> but Paul goes back to the woods where he found her and he actually finds her nightgown and it's got like spoogums on it. There's so much spoogums. <laughs> and he also notices these footprints that are bigger than his feet. So he's like, well, clearly she's fucking Will. Yep. Or like a basketball player. Or a Sasquatch. <laughs> um, and so he confronts her. He doesn't so much accuse her, but he's just like, you know, what did, did something happen with Will? Like, did you meet up with him? I'm not going to be mad. Just tell me what happened. Because clearly there was something wrong with his wife. Mm-hmm. And she's, you know, the whole time she's just like, no, nothing happened. I'm fine. Don't worry about it. Yada, yada, yada. So yada 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 over the sex. <laughs> <laughs> I've yada yada sex. <laughs> uh, so he goes and finds Annie, who which is Will's wife, and he's you know tries to ask her what the fuck is going on here. Do you know anything about Will and B meeting up or anything? And she's just like, Will is my husband. He's like, Yeah, I fucking know. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, yeah. But... And then she's, I think she tells him like, You need to get out of here. Something like that. And then she gets in a boat and just putters off. Yeah, she says, Will's hiding. Yeah. Which is a weird thing to say. (laughs) With no context. Right. Yeah, and then she gets in the boat and she kind of putters off. And then um, Paul finds Will's hat floating in the water and there's blood on it. And it was this was like his hat since he was a kid and he's never taken it off or whatever. Yeah, they made sure to tell us that. Yeah. Which I can't imagine having a hat for 20 years. I I have hats from when I was a kid, but they're like in a box somewhere. And like a clothes box. <laughs> you know, one of those clothes boxes. <laughs> um, I think, I mean, like, but they're like sentimental ones. Like I, like my, my, uh, my little league hat. Sure. Yeah. Something like that. But yeah. To just have a hat that you just wear every day for 20 years. Yeah. I think it'd be in worse shape than it was, mm-hmm. especially since it was white. Oh, most definitely. <laughs> um, 
And then Paul also, he, he finds these letters that Annie had been writing and they say, you know, my name is Annie. My husband is Will. This is my home, stuff like that. And, uh, B had been writing the same thing in her journal. It was like, my name is B. My husband is Paul. We live in Brooklyn at this address. Could you make when, when, so he like comes up to her and she's like scribbling in her journal. And as soon as she knows that he's there, he's, she shuts it. And like, I couldn't make out what she was writing. Could you? Yeah. You, okay. So this is just me. <laughs> Can't read cursive, millennial. <laughs> Not in like two <laughs> seconds, no. Not so much like, uh, I think it was my husband is Paul was the one that I made out oh, more okay. than anything. But um, yeah, so she's just like writing these descriptions of herself and he's just, uh, Paul confronts her and he says, what is this? Like, these aren't things that you need to memorize. Like, mm-hmm. this is this is who you are. This is your life. And she can't give him a straight answer at any point. Um, uh, let me see. So, oh, at this point, she, they, you know, they get in a big fight over these letters. She locks herself in the bathroom. He, you know, busts the door in and he sees her like bleeding profusely and she's like digging into her vagina. And she's like, fuck God. <laughs> <laughs> and he's just like, what is happening? And uh, she's like, she's got. I think it was one of the uh, the things she was like roasting a marshmallow on earlier. So she's like stabbing oh, what herself in the crotch. Yeah. And he's like, well, that's unsettling. She's just sitting in a pool of blood. I'm just like, hmm, this is not right. Yeah. Um. And so he, you know, pulls her out and he ends up tying her to the bed in this struggle. And he starts being like, who are you? Like, you you look like my wife, you smell like my wife, you taste like my wife, but you, clearly you're someone else. And uh, and then he proceeds to pull this giant vine branch thing. Well, it's like he runs his hand like up her nightgown, presumably into her cooch, and pulls it back, and it's like covered in like this webbing shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. And then she says something like, get it out of me or something. Yeah, she's like, help me. And like shoves his hand up her crotch. And yeah, that's when she, he starts pulling this thing out. Yeah, yeah, it looks like a vine or a branch or maybe some kind of giant worm or something. It looks like an umbilical cord to me. Oh, yeah. And it's probably by the time he gets it out, it's probably three feet long. About that, yeah. And it kind of like, you know, does a little wormy, snaky, flippy thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You know, as they do. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, and, you know, she she tells him that the night she disappeared, she saw the, these lights that kept shining into the cabin. And so she followed them and she encountered these people, these shadowy figures. And she was like, I, I know what they want, but I'm not going to let them have, a, have it. Weird kind of ambiguous stuff that not, isn't really totally explained. Um. She starts saying, she said, like, I am your wife, but they're they're taking me away. Yeah, but she says, B's body is going to stay here, but I'm going to be gone. Yeah, she's like, they're, they're taking B away. Which is just, I got to imagine when you're in a very panicked state, like he probably was, 
Like, that's not something you really understand. It's like, what are you saying? I don't fully understand. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so he's scrambling. He gets the car keys and he says, you know, we're, we're going to get out of here. We're going to get you to the hospital or we're going to get you some help. But she ends up knocking him out. He wakes up on a boat, on like the canoe, not canoe. Um, just, just a boat. Yeah. It's not like a, like a speedboat or a yacht or anything. It's just, you know, a regular. Boat. Yeah. Uh, and she says, you know, we're, we're, we're going to hide you. And he's like, well, what are you talking about? She said, we're, we're going to hide you under the water. They'll never find you there. And he's like, that, that doesn't work. Like, we, we can't do that. He's like, oh, no. <laughs> but he's, you know, his hands are tied and his ankles are tied. His ankles are tied to the anchor. And she throws the anchor overboard. And he's like, well, this fucking sucks. <laughs> and then he goes over and that's the end of the movie. Well, no, that it jumps. Oh, that's right. It goes to... Uh, is it? I guess it's that night, presumably. presumably. Uh, and Annie comes to the door. Yeah, she's sitting she, there watching their wedding video. B is, yeah, yeah, and yeah. Annie comes to the door, and the, and the lights start shining in the windows again. And Annie comes to the door, and the two of them walk off into the into the lights. Yeah, at this point, they both look like really crusty. Mm-hmm. Like that webbing shit that he had all over his hand seems to be like so over their all faces. over their faces and bodies. And their eyes are like big and yellow now. Yeah. So it's just like uh, aliens. Yep. I assume. I, I mean, that seems like the safe bet. Yeah. Yeah. At what point did you know it was aliens? Uh, when she started talking about meeting figures in the woods. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I guess that's that that kind of point, that, you know, segment, I guess that's kind of when I started to realize it. Most of this movie, I was just like, I don't know what's going on. Yeah. I don't understand how much more of this is there. <laughs> and it's only an hour and a half long, but it seemed like it took forever. <laughs> because it, it didn't feel like it was really going anywhere. Yeah. She's like, okay, well, she's being weird. We don't know why. They're not giving us any clue. Yeah, the the middle of the movie is just kind of like her being weird, but it doesn't really progress Mm -hmm. so much. It's just like, well, we need to fill this time of her being weird. Yeah. And it's like they don't really like make a big enough deal about the fact that she's forgetting things. Yeah. Like personal things. Um, Like, you know, the French toast thing or the coffee. That's just... That's like innocuous enough to where you don't really give it. It could just be absent mindedness. Yeah. It's just like, I mean, she's something clearly going on with her, but that, like, you don't really think that that is what's going on with her. Yeah. It's not necessarily like at that point, you're not thinking of like a pod person. Right. It's just like, okay, well, something's fucking up her mind. And now she's just not doing these things for whatever reason. Right. It's like at no point do you really like gather. It's like, oh, well, she is like losing herself or, you know, anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, once she said that, like, once she was like getting covered in spookums for whatever reason, and then he pulls that thing out of her crotch, she's like, okay, so I, I guess aliens. <laughs> yeah. Um, and like it, it didn't give you any idea for almost the entire movie. It's like, I feel like a lot of movies, 
when you're doing something like that, you want to kind of give people something so they can speculate. Yeah. This is just like, what the fuck is going on with her? Like, uh, why? <laughs> why is this happening? And they give you nothing. Not really. Almost the entire movie. Yeah. I wish it would have played into, because like, you know, you say that they didn't really give you anything, but at the same time, you, you know that something supernatural is going on or at least have a very strong inclination of it. Yeah. Um, but Paul is, you know, he's thinking more rationally. He thinks that, it, that she's stepping out with Will or something like that. And I kind of wish they would have played into that more to kind of make you wonder is, you know, is Paul being paranoid or is he right? Mm-hmm. And make it, make you think that there's something more natural going on and just kind of, um, you know, play with your emotions a little more. Yeah. Yeah. And like they, like when, uh, Paul broke into a restaurant and like went into their um, office. He started looking at their security tapes, which is weird. Like you wouldn't think a place like that would have a security camera, but yeah. Um, he starts looking at it and like, I, I couldn't make it out. Was that B that kept coming and going? I think it was Annie, but I'm not sure. Okay. Yeah. It wasn't really very specific. And because it was like this shitty, security video. Yeah, super grainy and um yeah, a lot of stuff just it's like it, you're go it's happening and the movie is progressing and there's just the stuff where it's like okay, well, I guess they're not going to explain that, so it's got to wait, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah. I don't know. It's like if I was wa- if I wasn't watching this for the show, I probably would have turned it off interesting because it's just like okay this is not going anywhere like i don't know what the fuck is going on i mean for the most part everything was explained at the end but like i said generally when you're watching a movie they're kind of giving you clues along the way and there was just really nothing to to grasp onto yeah for for most until like it all until the wheels started to come off, like towards the end. You just like up to that point, you really had nothing. She's like, B's acting weird. Okay, why? Why yeah. is she acting weird? Yeah, like the the part where she's talking in the mirror. I wish they would have used something different to make you seem more like she's practicing, you know, being a person. Yeah, because you know, like you said, any any wife could just sit there in the mirror and practice not <laughs> practice saying no to having sex with her husband, right? It would be nice to have it be something more like like she's practicing being B. Yeah, yeah. Expand more on like her taking the notes, like her like reciting themselves, reciting them to herself or something. Yeah, just give you more, uh, more of that feeling that she is not B, and but she's trying to convince Paul that she is. Yeah, as opposed to just being weird. Yeah, it's like you said. You know, you mentioned pod people and like that's kind of where i was for a good chunk of the movie but they weren't like leaning into that at all it was like so is, is she not a pod person i mean she is she not like a a, a clone or a, or a replacement person or something yeah and then also at the end there's it like it almost seems like b comes in and out yeah like there's parts where b comes back and so you're like so is she still in there then this isn't like a like a costume or anything this isn't a, a pod person like b is still in there but 
so what's happening to her? And that's, then she talks about, you know, B's body is staying here, B's leaving or whatever. And you're just like, what, what does that mean? Yeah. Like, I don't know if they were like absorbing her thoughts or wiping them. Yeah. Because like you said, they did seem to come and go because, you know, when he's starting to realize that something's seriously wrong with her, he starts saying, you know, what's my name? And she like, she like couldn't answer. She's like, you, or she's like, who, who am I? Who am I? Like, you're my husband. Or, you know, she's like kind of frazzled and, and panicking a little bit. She says, you're my husband. And he's like, but what's my name? You can't, you just said it. You can, now you can't tell me? And she's like, and he says, uh, you know, or when he ties her to the bed, he says, where, where do we go on our first date? And she said that we went camping, which was somewhat true because what, you know, this is all explained at the very beginning of the movie when they're doing like, like kind of this like confessional thing and they're, um, their wedding, wedding video. video. He's explaining it's like, you know, we had our first date, or um, first date was Indian food. And then he says, uh, Where did I propose to you? And again, in that video, he says, You know, you were sick. We um, were supposed to go camping. So I made a tent, I made a fort on our bed out of sheets. And we, wrote, we made s'mores on the stove. You know, they're explaining these things at the beginning of the movie, and you kind of know you have to commit that to memory somewhere and then he says you know where did i propose to you and she says we were camping and i remember the stars are so beautiful and that's when he like knows that something's wrong because they weren't camping yeah but then later on she says our when when she's telling him what's going on and he's starting to freak out she's like i remember now our first date was indian food so yeah like you said like her thoughts kind of came and went yeah um, but anyway, I, I, I liked it. I, I think it's pretty good. Uh, like I said, I just wish that they, they would have leaned more into the kind of making you wonder if Paul was just being paranoid kind of thing. And, you know, similar to like, um, like American psycho, mm. how you, you never really know what's real. I kind of would like to see them kind of give you that seed of doubt until the very end. Yeah. But overall, I thought it was pretty good. It, I, I definitely, you know, agree with your complaints about it, it being about the middle just kind of dragging. Yeah. And it's just like, give me something to keep me engaged because right now it's, just, it's she's being weird. Okay. Like, yeah. Ch- chicks but it's are, not, it's chicks not, are weird sometimes. <laughs> it's not getting weirder. That was the thing was it was just this string of weird things yeah. happening. Um. Then it seemed like everything, like I said, when the wheels came off, everything just kind of happened all at once at the end. Yeah. Um, and it's like you could have really spaced some of that out throughout the movie. And as far as the aliens thing, like I said, there was not much to go on. They didn't really give you an inkling. The first hint that I had that it may have been aliens was when he woke up in the middle of the night or something and there was a bright light shining in the window. Yeah. Um, but that like came and went like it, like, I think he mentioned it at some point and then that was it. Yeah. I don't know if this was then or later, but at one point he like gets up and he starts like closing all the, the drapes and everything. And he's like, someone is out there and they're looking in our yeah, windows. He, he heard somebody like out in, in the trees or something. And he goes, goes out with a shotgun and shoots right, off yeah. around and then he's convinced it's will. Right. 
Um, yeah, then he comes back in and closes all the, the drapes. Um, anyway. But, yeah, I mean, it wasn't bad, I guess. I mean, the acting was good. It it, it was shot well. Um, it's just the pacing, I guess, was, was a big hang-up for me. Yeah, I could see that. Anything else to add? I don't think so. I mean, overall, I thought it was pretty good. It's it's uh, it's it's definitely not without its faults, but it does like like we said, the middle is just kind of repetitive. But at least there's stuff happening, you know. Whereas other movies, the whole middle is just kind of like killing time. Yeah. So I was at least there's stuff going on in the middle. Um. But you know, they get to the end, and there's still a lot of confusing stuff that you're just like I don't like when she says you know we're gonna hide you underwater and it's like okay is this B or is this the alien and if it's the alien why is she trying to hide Paul yeah what's what's the whole purpose of hiding him so there's you know I still have questions at the end it's, it's not everything gets tied up with a nice little bow but maybe that was the idea I don't know uh, I'm gonna give it a six all right. Um, yeah, I mean, I agree with your sentiment for the most part. It's just a lot of pacing issues for me. Um, not a lot keeping me engaged in the middle. Like I said, it wasn't a long movie. It was a pretty standard length movie. But had I not been watching this to review it, I would have turned it off just because it's not holding my interest for a significant portion of the movie. Um, but... Yeah, I mean, as far as like uh, the the, f- the filming was good, the acting was good, um, the direction was competent. <laughs> um, so I'll give it a five, I guess. All right. So there's that. All right. Next up is the 1999 film by Takashi Miike, um, titled. Audition. Oh, this was directed by Lee Janiak, who uh, is is a woman. So, Woman in Horror Month. Hey, little uh, double dip in there. Okay, on to audition. でしょ。息子に言われたんです。最近しょぼくれてるんで、最近でもしたがって。あさみ。やけ。本当に俺のそんなの。何お前の最後相手探さないで、俺でしょ、探さないでしょ。あの、見たのか。あの女の体で触ったのか。あいつ。あいつ。あいつ。あいつ。あいつ。あいつ。あいつ。あいつ。あいつ。あいつ。あいつ。あいつ。あいつ。あいつ。あいつ。あいつ。
くくる痛い Okay, so Audition, like I said, is a movie from 1999, Japanese in origin from director Takashi Miike.、Um, I think he's most well known for this movie and Ichi the Killer.、Um, I have not seen that, and this is the first time I'd seen this. Like, I knew of his work、um, and I knew his、um, reputation, but I'd never actually seen any of his movies. Um, how about you? No, I don't. I, I, I am familiar with Ichi the Killer, but I have not seen it. Okay. And to the best of my knowledge, I have not seen any of his other movies either. Okay.、Um, so this movie、uh, centers mainly around、uh, a guy named、uh, Shigeharu Ayoma or Ayoyama.、Um, starts out, you know. In the past, however long ago,、um, he is bedside in a hospital with his、uh, dying wife.、Um, she, you know, the doctors basically say, you know, there's not much more we can do for her. She passes away. And then that's kind of it. We jump forward in time. <laughs> so we know that he's a widower. So I think we could have left out that entire opening scene. There's definitely easier and quicker ways to. Get that、uh, fact across. Yeah. This movie is almost two hours long.、Uh, and there's a lot of stuff that could have been cut out. Yes. To make it closer to like an hour and 45 minutes, maybe, or hour and 40. Just, just cut some stuff out. Yeah. This first five minutes or whatever it is. Yeah. Are, yeah. That, that could have been cut off right at the beginning. <clears throat> um, So we jump forward. He's.、Uh, He's a businessman of some sort and never really tells you exactly what he does for a living.、Um, but he goes. Business. He's, 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 he's does, very, he, he's he very do, important in business. He does business. <laughs>、um, he, he lives with his son,、um, uh, Shigehiku. Shigehiku? This、yeah. is not the right Wikipedia page. <laughs> um, who just like tells him, okay, well, mom's been dead long enough. You should get married. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't say, like, you sh- I think you should start dating again. Yeah. It's just, dad, you should remarry. Yeah. It's like, well, okay. <laughs> And he,、uh, <coughs> so、uh, Shigaharu, actually, they keep calling him Ayama or Ayoyama. Um, well, Ayoama is their family name. Right, but Japanese names are. are they, they say the surname first. Yeah. But, like.、Um, yeah. Never mind.、Uh, okay. And so he goes out to lunch with his. or dinner or drinks or something with his buddy、uh, Yoshi, Yoshikawa, who's a producer、um, for, for movies. And they're just kind of shooting the shit. And he's like, Ayoyama, he's like, ah,、oh, yeah, you know, business is great. <laughs> I love doing business. It's like, I'm making money, you know, business, business, business. <laughs> <laughs> and and、um, it's like on How I Met Your Mother when they're trying to figure out what Barney does. 
please. Like, okay, but what do you make? I make money. <laughs> but he's saying, yeah, business is up. You know, we're we're, we're doing a lot of a lot, a lot more. Of, stuff. We're doing a lot of business. <laughs> we're doing a lot more business, but profits are down. And it's like, well, ain't that ain't that the truth? Um, and he says, well, how about you? And and Yoshikawa says, oh, business is great. You know, don't you know film's not affected by recession? Yeah. And he's like, really? No, idiot. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they're sitting there and like, they're just, you know, drinking, smoke cigarette. Um, and out of, out of nowhere, Ayama says, oh, I think I'm going to remarry. Oh? <laughs> <laughs> um, and together, they come up with this scheme that is straight out of a 1990s, early 2000s teen movie. <laughs> it's like, well, hey, here's what we'll do. We'll put together a film audition, gather up all these women that want to be in the film, and then you can pick your favorite out of them. Because that's what grown men do. Sure. <laughs> like... I had never seen, like I said, I'd never seen this before. And like, I'm just baffled. Like I'm, I'm watching this, this story unfold. I'm like, seriously, they made up a film audition so he could find a date. Like, are you that fucking pathetic? Yeah. It's like, uh, th- this was like of the, the ilk of like, you know, 10 things I hate about you and she's, she's all, all that. that. Yeah. Um, anyway, so they go. Like if there was an American version of this, these guys would be played by Freddie Prince Jr. and Matthew Lillard. Yeah, except like 20 <laughs> years ago. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, if it came out at the same time. Right. Um, so they do this audition and they bring in, you know, a, a, a hundred girls or whatever. A bevy. A, a, a large number of gals. And they, they're doing their auditions. And these are the weirdest auditions because they're not auditioning. No, they're not reading. It's more like they're auditioning for the real world or something. Yeah, they basically just go in there and talk about themselves. Yeah. One of them just takes off her top. Yeah, which is like, okay. <laughs> Seemingly unprovoked. Yeah. It's like, oh, there's no nudity in this? Um, Can there be? <laughs> <laughs> She just like stands up and is just like, boom. And I'm just like, oh. She's like, oh, here's my titties. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, all right. Yeah. And it's just this, it spins into this montage again from like a teen film. Yeah. Where they're just laughing about all these girls giving these goofy answers and. They start playing like Walk the Moon and. Yeah, <laughs> sure. <laughs> Spin Doctors. <laughs> Actually, yeah, two princes would fit there. Yeah. yeah. Um. And oh, okay. So I guess earlier on, he's he's reviewing these uh, files for all the girls that are coming in for audition. He spots one that just stands out to him, a girl named Asami. Um, and she's he's just totally taken by her. She has this essay written where she explains that she used to be a, a ballet dancer but damaged her hip and now she's um just kind of 
trying to explore other options. You know, she's she says she doesn't expect to get the the role, but she wanted to try. Um, and he's just totally taken by her. And then when she comes in for our, her audition, he he's basically sitting through all of, you know these dozens and dozens of girls and not saying a word. And then when she comes in to sit, that's when he starts asking questions about herself. And then you know in a com- later on in a completely unprofessional mo- mo- uh, move, he uses her number on on her essay to call her and ask her out on a date. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and yeah, so it, it kind of goes from there. Like he, there, there's something very strange about her. She's very quiet. And like this movie's been around long enough to where you, you know essentially what's going to happen right. and what's going on. Um, but, you know, as you're in the moment, she's very strange. She's quiet. She doesn't really like to talk about herself very much. Doesn't talk about her family. Yeah, um, says that she's very distant from them. Um, so, like she says, they they don't really fight, but they're also not very close. Um, and uh, yeah, it's like, but you know, they start going out more and more often. Um, and this whole time, you know, uh, Yokish- uh, Yoshikawa is very like bothered by how taken uh Ayama is and so he like he he looks into her references one was she gave uh a music producer at some record company who supposedly is somewhat her manager he calls this record company and this guy has not been heard from in over a year like he just up and disappeared um and was there? I think that was it at that for, for at that, that point, point. Yeah. <clears throat> Later on, um, he like so the, we don't know exactly how long this has been going on, but they've been going out, and to us as a viewer, it seems like maybe a week, a couple weeks, and then he's sitting at home with or Ayama's sitting at home with his son and says, um. I just want to tell you something. And he's like, you got yourself a new girlfriend. It's like, how did you know? Like, well, you seem happier. You know, you're, you're smiling a lot more. And she's like, and he's like, when are you going to propose to her? And he's like, well, I think I'm going to, we're going to go away this weekend. I think I'm going to do it then. It's like, how, how long has this been going on? Yeah. Like, it definitely seems like he goes from like smitten to ready to marry her like real quick. Yeah, I don't know if that's like a Japanese thing or what, but like my wife and I, we were dating for a year before I proposed. Yeah. Which I know is maybe a little long for a lot of people, but even still, like like eight, nine months, I think, would be probably fairly standard. Yeah. Uh, even like on a short timeline. <laughs> um. Anyway. So they go away for the weekend uh, to some beach town, uh, and uh, he's they're sitting in their room, and he's like just saying, "You know, okay, what can we do to kill time before dinner?" It's like, "Oh, we can go get drinks. We can go to some coffee shop," and she just goes and like without saying a word, goes and turns off the light and walks over to the bed. 
and just strips down and crawls into bed and tells him to come over. And he's like, she's like, I want you to look at my body. It's like, oh, oh, okay. <laughs> All right. She's like, don't. <laughs> and he starts taking off his coat and he's like, don't take off your colors yet. But why? <laughs> Are we gonna, you know, <laughs> do stuff? <laughs> Hand stuff? Mouth stuff? Mouth, Mouth stuff. stuff. <laughs> um. So yeah, she like pulls up the sheet to show her legs, and she's got like these nasty scars on the, on her inner thigh, and she's like, I accidentally burned myself when I was a teenager, or when I was a child, or yeah, um, and. Uh, That's, I don't know. It's it's a weird scene. Like he, she says, I, I you know I want you to love me and only me. And he's like, of course. So that's when he crawls into bed with her, and they presumably fuck. Um, then he wakes up in the middle of the night to a ringing phone, and the the desk clerk says that she left. Um, and now he goes back to the city, and he can't find her. Like he tries calling her, and she doesn't answer. He doesn't know where she lives, which is weird because he was going to propose to her. Yeah. <laughs> um, all he has to go on, and you know, Yoshikawa tells him, "It's like all we have of her for her is her application for the the role. Like we have the the references that have been dead ends, um, and you know, she said that she worked at this bar at you know some nearby town." Um, so, uh, Ayama goes there to check it out and finds out that it's been closed for over a year. And some guy that just happened to be walking by, he's like, oh, there's some terrible went on there. Like the owner was murdered, cut into pieces, um, something to do with like a jilted lover or something. Um, and, uh, but the weird thing was, is they found an extra, extra three fingers, an ear and a tongue. Like and, among, and two feet, right? I don't think there's two feet. Hmm. Maybe there was. I don't know. But he also goes to... Ch- and he's, he's just kind of like, hmm, that's weird. And he goes to uh, a ballet school that she says that she practiced at. This place looks like it's closed, too. Um, yeah, it's all boarded up. Yeah. And he goes inside, and there's this old man sitting there playing the piano. Weird fucking guy. Yeah. He looks like Uncle Benny from uh, um, Lethal Weapon 4. No? Mm-mm. Okay. Um, I only saw the first two. Oh, man. Lethal Weapon And five. <laughs> the best one. I saw they're, they're like making a Lethal Weapon 5 now. Really? Yeah, and Rob McElhinney on Twitter was like, it's been done. <laughs> With Mel Gibson and Danny Glover? I think so. Danny Glover is He's too literally old too for old this for this shit, shit now. <laughs> Like Mel Gibson could probably still get away with it, and you know he's he's up there, but I think he's still in good enough shape that where he could probably pull it off with some creative stunt work. Um, but uh, yeah. Anyway, <coughs> uh, he goes in. He says, "You know, I want to ask you about uh, 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 what the fuck is her name, Asami," and that kind of strikes a chord with the guy. And he's like, did you, have you touched her? Have you tasted her? 
have you fucked her? And then you like he he wheels up to him in this wheelchair, and you realize he has no feet. Like he has wooden feet that look like they're carved by hand. It was weird. Yeah, it was very weird. <laughs> and he stands up out of his chair. And uh, and just tells him to get out. Like, doesn't answer any of his questions. And, like, we're just kind of left to f- wonder what the fuck that was about. Um, it's, I think he comes home. And he sits down and he's drinking his whiskey or whatever it is. And then he starts to kind of, like, seize a little bit. He gets up and tries to get to the next room, but then he just kind of collapses on the floor. And that's when uh, Asami comes in. And you've probably seen this image of her. She's in her white dress with a black rubber um, apron on and big, you know, long black gloves. She comes in with this medical bag and starts pulling out a whole bunch of stuff. <laughs> um, uh, she tells him it's like you've been paralyzed, um, but you, your nerves are still active, so that means that pain is enhanced. Um, so she fills up this syringe with something. I don't know if it's more paralytic or what. Yeah. But she reaches into his mouth and pulls out his tongue and injects it right into his tongue. And I'm really glad they didn't do that on screen because I don't think I could have dealt with it. (laughs) Um, And uh, she says, like, starts going into this, like, diatribe about being honest and, you know, it's like you set up this audition so you can find a girl and fuck her. Um, And just, yeah, telling, you know, going on about honesty and, you know, true love and this kind of shit. Um, and she's taking these things that look like acupuncture needles almost um, and just start digging them into his, into his stomach, saying, you know, this is the most sensitive part of the stomach. <laughs> oh, good. Um, Basically, all this is because she found a picture of his ex-wife. Yeah, she. I guess right before he gets home, she had broken into his house. Yeah. And, yeah, there's a picture of his ex-wife on his desk. Um, and so, yeah, she's digging these needles into his stomach and then she puts some like right under his, underneath his eyes. Um, and then he starts lap lapsing. He like goes into like these hallucinations where he's like, he's back in this hotel room that they were staying in. He wakes up, I guess. It, this got really confusing. Yeah, it did. Like, I, I texted you and I said, I am about 20 minutes from the end and I am completely fucking lost. Yeah, and I knew exactly where you were. <laughs> yeah. Um, because there's no real lead up to it. You just kind of have to come to a point where you assume that he's not fan, uh, hallucinating. Um, but, like, all these different things keep happening. And it's like, it goes back to these situations that happened earlier in the movie, but they're having different conversations. Which was really weird. Yeah, like I didn't understand what was happening. It's like, is this, is this the conversation they had, and I just completely missed it? 
But they go back to like their first date and she's talking about how, you know, where she had originally mentioned that, um, you know, she doesn't fight with her family, but they're not close. She goes on, she's now saying that like, oh, we fought all the time. And, you know, my parents divorced. And so I was sent to live with like an uncle or something yeah. who beat me and raped me. Um, and then, you know, my mother remarried and like I was getting along with my mom, but my stepdad hated me. So he would beat me and, and rape me. Um, and I think you kind of come to find out that the guy at the dance school was her stepfather. Um, and those scars on the inside of her leg was actually like some kind of like disciplinary thing. Is that what it was? I don't, I don't really know. I, I couldn't figure out what the fuck was going on. It was obviously very sexual. Yep. And it was creepy as fuck because there was like this little girl who's supposed to be Asami, you know, as 13 years old or, or something like very that. Very young. And she's just sitting there. You know, she's got like a, like a leotard on. Um, but she's just sitting there on the on the floor, spread eagle. Yeah, and this old man just crawling up in between her legs, and then burns her with these two metal sticks. I don't know what they were. I don't either. But he just yeah. He, I thought he was gonna go like. Mm. So did I. Um. But anyway, so she. Then there's a scene in her apartment. Yeah, where like. Earlier in the movie, where you first get a glimpse into how fucked up she is, she's sitting in this shitty old apartment that, like, like the rice uh, rice walls are, like, all torn up and, and old. And there's this big sack sitting, like a big burlap sack sitting in the middle of her floor and a phone. And she's just sitting on the fo- floor waiting for the phone to ring. And then at one point, this bag just starts moving and rolling around all over the place. So we jump forward to actually him being in the apartment. He starts having all these fantasies of first he's with Asami, then he's with his secretary. There was like a weird relationship there, and I guess you find out that they had an affair at some point. And she, like, I don't know if she... It's it's hard to de- decide exactly how much of this is true. Yeah. But she says, you know, we, we had s- sex once, and I thought it would go somewhere, but it didn't. Um, and then it's then it's uh, his uh, son's girlfriend. Um, and they're all, like, down on their knees ready to blow him. And it just keeps jumping back and forth between these different women. And then... Like this sack, or he sees this sack and he goes to open it up and this man crawls out on his hands and knees. He's missing an ear, missing three fingers on his hand. His tongue. And, and miss, missing his tongue and missing both of his feet. So I guess maybe there was two feet there. Um, then Asami's in the back, vomiting into a bowl. A dog bowl. And then she brings it out to this guy who then starts eating it. Just lapping it up. Well, I guess not lapping because he doesn't have a tongue. But yeah. It uh, didn't look like puke, but the fact that it was and he was just like getting down on it. Yeah. Was, I was having a hard time with that. That was tough. Um, and uh, yeah, so all this goes on and then he lapses back 
to being, you know, paralyzed on the floor in his home. And Asami goes into her little bag of tricks and pulls out this garrote wire and these two restraining, you know, bracelets. She cinches them down around his ankles and says, you know, you know, you, you promised you'd love me and only me, but you lied. And she's like, you've got a son, right? And he says, you leave my son alone. She's like, oh, so you, you do love your son. So you, you did lie because I told you to love only me. Um, yeah, so she puts these bracelets on his ankles and she pulls out this garrote wire and says, this wire is really good at cutting through bone. She's like, you can't run away from me if you can't run. If you don't have feet. Yeah. So she wraps it around his ankle and just starts like sawing. With a smile. Yeah. And the sound was chilling. <laughs> Hats off to the uh, effects company at this point, because yeah. that was tough to watch. Um, so she saws off his, he cuts off his foot and then th- throws it at the door. It's funny because, you know, there's this, you know, ambience or ambient music going on in the background. And you know all the sound effects, and know that you know them talking. And then you go outside, outside the slider door, and there's no sound yeah. until she throws the foot <laughs> of the door, the and then you're like, boom. That's when his son comes home, or no, I guess he he lapses again, and I don't know exactly what happened, but he wakes up in their hotel room. She's laying next to him in bed. And she says, you know, I've thought about it. I'm going to accept your proposal. And he's like, my proposal? Um, And, uh, yeah, so apparently he had actually proposed to her. And then maybe we assume. Uh, Did it go anywhere from there? I don't think so. He just woke up again? Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it did a good job of making you wonder at this point. It's like, wait, what? It would be a little too neat and a little too, um, you know, family friendly, I guess, <laughs> to, to just say, oh, well, he imagined all this. It was all a dream, um, like fucking Dallas or some shit. <laughs> um, so he... And then she gets all mad because Patrick Duffy is in the shower. <laughs> so then she w- he wakes up again, and that's when his son comes home and sees him on the floor. She needles all over. Yeah, him. she dips into the back room and tries to sneak up behind him with a can of mace or something. Yeah, they're like the weirdest can of mace though, because it was like usually it, you know, a can of mace will shoot. Yeah, this one just kind of puffed. Yeah, it was more like, just a, like yeah, it was more like a squirt bottle rather than a like yeah, a like a can of can. Uh, perfume or something. Yeah, um, just like he manages to get away from her and he rounds upstairs and she tries to jump on top of him and she, and he kicks, kicks her, her down the stairs, yeah, kicks her off. And she goes, just, I don't think she even falls down the stairs. No, she, she like just, flew over the stairs, yeah, lands at the bottom. Um, and you can see that her neck, something in her neck is just not right. <laughs> yeah. Like I thought it was like a bone or something. Then it started pulsing. Yeah. I was like, what the fuck is that? Um, and, uh, she, She's laying there dying, and he goes to call the police. And as as he's, what's the kid's name again? Shige, Shigawa? Uh, Shigehiko. 
Shigehiko. Um, as he's calling the police, uh, Aoyama's laying there watching Osami die, and she starts saying like the first thing that she, like basically talking about being in love with him. Yeah, like having the conversation from their first date. Right. Talking about being excited to see him. And- right. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then uh, she dies. Day, day, day. <laughs> days, 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 days. Um, and uh, that's it. It's a weird movie. It's very weird. It's, you know, I'd heard a lot of things about Mike's films. I heard they're very over the top, you know, very gory. And I have to assume that they weren't talking about this one because I was had, I had these like expectations that it was going to be like a fucked up gore fest, and it wasn't. Yeah, like the most that happened was like or the goriest thing that happened was when she cut off his foot. Aside from that, it was just like you know, you know, already amputated limbs. Yeah, things like that. Um, you know, there wasn't a lot of blood to speak of. Mm-mm. So. I don't know if they're just being oversold or, like I said, this was just not the one that people talk about. Maybe Ichi the Killer is the one that's like, you know, a bloodbath. Yeah. Um, I know this movie has been really uh, a lot of inspiration or inspirational to a lot of uh, up-and-coming directors. Um, Sasuke sisters. I mean, yeah. you Most notably. American Mary is very clearly inspired by oh, this. Yeah. I mean, down to when you know Mary's wearing a black apron and gloves, right? Um, and you know the whole thing of punishing men um, for their sexual misdeeds. Um, yeah, I don't know. What do what, you think? Uh, I mean, for the like, I this movie's reputation preceded it, obviously. Uh, but for the longest time, I'm like, when does it start getting crazy? Like, I, I kept hearing about how Audition is like this crazy movie that's like, like you said, gory and like super gruesome. But the first hour and a half of the movie is really slow. Yeah. And it's, you know, there's like this this weirdness to it and this uh, kind of unraveling mystery. But it's not super gory or super scary or anything like that. Mm-hmm. That all comes at the end. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, I felt like this was like pretty much like on par with something like Fatal Attraction. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the whole thing at the beginning with this scheme to set up a fake audition. Well, actually, I guess it wasn't really a fake audition because the movie was real. But the, there was. Yes and no. The way they talked about it, it was like it was this movie that they were going to make, but then it was more or less scrapped. And so that was why he was using it. Okay, you're right. Um, and yeah, and he does explain that to Asami on one of their dates, where it's like, okay, well... Yeah, he says the backer doesn't like the script, and there's there's a possibility this will never get made. Yeah. So never really tells her, it's like, oh, no, you didn't get the role. It's just like, oh, the, well, the movie might not get made. So. Right. Um, yeah. I don't really know what to make of this. It's really outside of what I would typically watch. I know, like, a lot of people, you know, just rave about it and claim that it's just, like, such a, uh, you know, like, a groundbreaking movie and all this stuff, but I really didn't care for it. Because, like like I said, like, so much of it is just kind of this 
mystery. And then, and then you've got the parts that just get super weird mm-hmm. before it finally gets to like the, the gory parts. Yeah. And the whole part where he's hallucinating or whatever it is that's going on there took me out of it. Yeah. Cause it was, it was so confusing. Um, and you know, maybe, maybe the, the, the uh, idea was to just let go and let it happen, which I tried to do, but it's like, I'm, I'm like starting to wonder if like I missed something. Well, and like how much of that is real? Yeah. Like if he's just hallucinating all that, then what's the point? Like that's not canon. It doesn't explain anything that she does later. Yeah. So it's, it's just fucked up imagery for the sake of fucked up imagery. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and uh, you know, so many times, it's just, like, when, when that was all going on, and, you know, it, like, it kept coming back to him being paralyzed on the, f- in the, on the floor in his living room, but it's like, then again, it would jump back into some kind of hallucination. It's just like, God damn it, I can't figure out what's going on here. Yeah, I don't know what's real and what's not here. Like, and, you know, that, that was likely the point, but... Um, I just wasn't really biting. Like I, like, I can't be like, oh, she's so fucked up because she had this guy in a bag that's missing fingers and whatever. Because then all of a sudden I'm like, well, but was that even real? Because that was him hallucinating that. We have no point of reference that tells us that actually happened. That's a good point. Um, yeah, I mean, the, when, she call, when he called her and you saw her sitting in her apartment... Very, you saw the bag. Yeah, very clearly moved. So there's something living in that bag. Um, and you know when when he goes to this bar and the the guy that was kind of telling him what had happened said that it was something wrong with the bar's owner and her lover, some music executive. I took that to mean the guy in the bag was this missing music executive. Yeah, that was supposedly her manager of some sort. Um, but again, maybe that's just his brain mixing with the drugs that she gave him and just like putting that together, even if it, none of it actually happened. Yeah. But I mean, at the end, it was very clear that regardless of whether or not she killed anybody else, she was definitely, she definitely cut off his foot. Yeah. Uh, she's definitely insane. Um, and, uh, yeah. But anyway, this uh I don't know how to properly gauge this, I guess. Because my like this isn't my style of movie. Mm-hmm. Like this isn't something that I would t- typically watch rec- recreationally. I don't really like a lot of f- foreign films. Um Yeah, and I, I guess I had some some trumped up expectations for this just because of what I'd heard other people say about it. And I felt like, I mean, this is kind of my own fault, but I felt like those expectations weren't really delivered on. Yeah. Um, Except I kept waiting for like, when's it going to get fucked up? And when are we going to see all this crazy, gory shit? Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, so I mean, I'll basically, I think I'll probably judge this mainly on the fact that it was very long. It didn't need to be. Yeah. Um, it was the 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 beginning, the whole the concept of setting up this fake audition so he could find a date was so juvenile <laughs> um, that it, I thought it was kind of stupid, um, and. You know, granted, this is in another country, and it was definitely before this period of wokeness. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's still, it's like, if some guy calls you and you're like, hey, you know, I was a producer on this movie that you auditioned for, want to go out? I feel like an, an, maybe somebody who was like desperate to get into the industry might say yes, because she's like, oh, well, maybe if I fuck this guy, I'll get the role. But Asami clearly wasn't that type of person. Yeah. And so she like jumped at the chance to go out with him. And I feel like that was... But she seemed like she was genuinely interested in him. I suppose. Um, but yeah, so it was, it was too long and it got very confusing to the point where I I felt like there were points in the movie that I missed. Like like plot points that I've completely looked past or you know missed entirely. Um, and especially during this hallucination segment, because I couldn't keep it straight. That was real hard to follow. Um, yeah. So I don't know, but I mean, it did have it. It, it did have its merits as far as like a like a drama would go, like something like like I said, Fatal Attraction. It was in that scope i yeah. guess um so i mean it, it it was too long and it was confusing but it wasn't all bad um i don't know that i'd ever really watch this again it didn't really appeal to me as a casual viewer um but i don't know six final answer <laughs> yeah I guess. I'm going five. That's fair. Yeah, like, I, I agree with you. Like, it's, like I said, it, most of it just feels, it almost feels noir at times. A little bit. Like, when he's trying to track her down, specifically. Mm-hmm. But then it just gets super weird and confusing, and it it's almost like the timelines are bouncing back and forth, and it's seemingly like unnecessary because like i said the the whole time he's drugged and he's hallucinating so you're like i don't even know what's real anymore yeah and this very well could have been like a cultural thing like i said i don't really that's true i don't really do asian cinema much like i i don't i mean i've been over this a million times i hate subtitles and so many of them are not dubbed like I, i know people like purists hate dubs because they feel like you're not getting the true voice of the movie mm-hmm. um but i fucking hate subtitles because i have to read every single word otherwise i get completely lost yeah um it's like you know i i had my my dog in my lap and he started like doing like he was doing something and so i looked down at him and i looked back at the tv and like something was going on and i got completely lost and i had to back the movie up to find out what had happened so, but if it was in English, or at least English dubbed, I 
could have at least heard what was going on. Right. Um, <clears throat> but, and also, you know, there, there's a clear difference between American cinema and, you know, Asian or just even Japanese cinema that it just, it doesn't translate for me. Like it's, it's not my thing. Um, and I tried, I'm trying to like not factor that in too much. Yeah. I mean, there was talk of an American remake at one point, if I remember correctly. And I, it sounds familiar. I think it was Barrett and Wingard were talking about it. That seems their pace. Which I just, I don't know how well this would translate. It's hard to say. I mean, they'd, they'd have to change a good a amount. A lot, of it. I feel like. But I, I feel like they could convey the same general idea. They just have to like, change a lot of the finer well, details. Like, if you were to do an American remake of this, it's going to feel very Weinstein-y at the beginning. How so? With, like, the whole audition thing. And then, like... Oh, okay. The, you know, guy being super creepy and calling her and asking her out. Yeah. I feel... I don't know. I feel like the whole audition thing, like, the, the, the premise... Of like, that honestly just could have been left out and it wouldn't have changed much. Yeah. I mean, he, he could have just met her at a bar or something and sure. gone from there. Or it's like, maybe just make him a producer. <laughs> like he's already a producer without this ruse of this fake audition. It could have just been a real audition. Yeah, it's true. Um, but it's like this, I think if you were trying to remake that for American cinema, um, and especially now, like it would just come off too rapey. Like yeah, I, I don't think that people would want to watch it. That's what I'm saying. Anyway, um, but I mean, it's 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 got a reputation. You know, if you're a horror fan, you've definitely at least heard about it. Um, so you know, make your own judgments. Like Japanese movies or Asian movies, they're not my thing. I am not an authority on them in any way. Um, so ultimately you, you can take my, or I, I think both of our words with a grain of salt, you know, if you're into Asian movies, then, then that you might see this completely different than, than we do. Yep. But, or just weird fucked up movies. Sure. <laughs> anyway, that's going to do it guys. That is our Valentine's day episode. Um, you know, another one that it's just like maybe we don't do this next year. Who knows? Yeah. We started two years ago. I think we've only had three Valentine's Day episodes, including this one. I don't remember. Because there was one where we had the girls on. That was the first one, I think. Was it? I thought that was the second one. I could be wrong, though. Because we watched Valentine's Day. Or Valentine, I mean. Yeah, that's true. And that was that's just like a slam dunk. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we did no, get... no, no, no. It was a year before that. We did it with Silas and Cody because we watched yeah, Bloody we, Valentine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there it is. <laughs> um, we did get that movie Cupid sent to our inbox. That that looks terrible. <laughs> <laughs> we'll watch it a year late. Yeah. <laughs> um. Okay. Anyway. We'll be back in a couple of weeks with a brand spanking new episode for you. We're going to have our first Black History Month episode. Uh, we've tried to do that, was it a couple of years now? Yeah. But we've always kind of defaulted more towards <laughs> Valentine's Day and Women in Women Horror Women Month. Women in Horror. Um, but this, 
this year we're uh, doing Black History Month, wherein we'll be watching films of the African American. What's the word? God damn it. <sighs> My brain's shutting down. It doesn't want to do this anymore. <laughs> They're movies created and made by and starring African Americans. Sure. Yeah. Black exploitation, I don't think is the proper term, but they're they're somewhat that. I mean, that's black exploitation is a, a genre of film, right? I'm saying that what we're watching is not that, but well, one of them is. Well, one of them is. What are we watching, Taylor? We're, we're going to be watching Bones and Blackula. Yeah, I tr- so Blackula, I think, is like the the quintessential black exploitation film, well, horror film, more than like Dolomite. Well, I mean, you, you have horror things. film. Okay, yeah, yeah. You have like Dolomite and Shaft. Those are like the Jack, um, um, not Jackie Brown. Um, that one with Pam Greer. Fuck, Jackie Brown. That's that's Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> she did one in the seventies. I, I can't think of what it's called. Anyway, but those are like yeah, the, the quintessential black exploitation films. But as far as black exploitation horror. I think Blackula yeah. is really the the pinnacle. Yeah. Anyway, and then we're watching Snoop Dogg's Bones for Rizzle because dogs like bones. Faux shizzle. That's what he does. That's he he says that. That's his thing. Remember when he went by Snoop Lion? Get the fuck out of here. We know who you are. <laughs> I was born yesterday. <laughs> okay, we'll be back with that. In a couple weeks. Till then, Taylor, where can people find us? They can find us at graveplotpodcast.com as well as wherever you listen to your podcasts. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram as graveplotpodcast or on Twitter as grave underscore plot. And uh, don't forget to check out patreon.com slash graveplotpodcast if you want some exclusive content. Hell yeah. All right, folks. We'll catch up with you next time. Till then, I'm Skeletoni. I'm Taylor of Terror. This has been the Grave Plot Podcast, where we're all a little dead inside. Ooh,